Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. This was their finest. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you're stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get free pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there is something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Go to the link in our show notes to get $80 off including free shipping on HelloFresh Canada, Canada's number one meal kit. Guys, welcome to a sorrowful episode of Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. And I'm Sean. Guys, our <laughs> multiple sclerosis series has to be a three-part instead of two. Uh, today we are going to discuss causes and treatments. Instead, today we're just going to do causes, do a nice quick jaunt through there. And then next week, do treatments because Sean, in a twist of irony, has fallen victim to the very things we've been discussing. <laughs> um, he was out and about on Friday night, not going to say where, and he was jumping rope, wink, wink, <laughs> and, and uh, suddenly, you know, in one giant jump, the myelin just ripped right off of his neurons. Wait, <laughs> he just collapsed <laughs> to a heap of bones. Uh, and so Sean is luckily with me here today in a tank of spice transcending space and time, which is what the fuck why is he didn't have time to write notes. Or, <laughs> why or a Dune reference? <laughs> <laughs> it's coming out, Daddy. <laughs> Timothy Chimelet. But um, anyway, but yeah, so Sean, Sean has recently torn a ligament uh, in his knee. We always used to call that knee to bad knee. <laughs> and, <laughs> and sure enough, here we are. Uh, if you do want Sean to get better, make sure to donate more to Patreon this week. <laughs> like $400 or something. No. Wow, yeah, that's all great. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, it is accurate. Patreon.com slash Patreon. In the sense that I am injured, but this week we are going to talk about multiple sclerosis part two. Yes. The causes. Yeah, yeah, the causing. Yes. Yes. To the extent that we know anything about it. Right. Because um, we don't, right? <laughs> <laughs> there are parts that are mysterious. Okay. So, let's, so guys, let's do it. all this crazy, very diverse, very diverse, crazy type of diseases. Uh -huh. What's causing it? What could possibly cause this kind of... Crazy You're doing Shatner? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, anyway, guys, Peachy Dish, episode two, multiple sclerosis. So, a reminder. Yes. What is multiple sclerosis, right? Like, what, what are the symptoms that we kind of see? Yes. Okay. A lot of times when somebody has multiple sclerosis, 
the kind that they get diagnosed with first is called remitting relapsing. Right. And for that, that means you'll have attacks. And in those attacks, you might have gait issues while you're walking and things like that. You might have difficulty walking. You might have tingling or numbness in different spots in your body. It can cause slurred speech or difficulty speaking, blindness or light sensitivity. There's like all kinds of issues all over your body that can crop up, right? And these attacks don't need to be the same symptoms every time. Right. So you can have an attack for a day or a week or a month, and then it could be gone for weeks, months, years, and then come back with new symptoms or the same symptoms, that kind of thing. Yes. If you don't get that kind of MS treated, it kind of eventually invariably turns into another form, a progressive form. Right. And for that... Typically what happens is instead of going back to normal in between attacks, things just kind of keep getting worse. And then eventually you kind of stop having attacks and you just keep getting worse all the way through. Mm -hmm. Okay. So MS, it's characterized by like really a broad range of symptoms and sort of this like really hard to predict, like when is it going to crop up? When am I going to be chill? You know, So it's pretty scary in that sense. Well, we had briefly discussed how something with myelin, myelin. (laughs) yeah myelin yeah right some mysterious substance called myelin Mm -hmm. that we're going to talk about more today you know that getting torn ripped right off of your neurons that's part of what's you know causing ms we're of course going to dig deeper into that but first what's the epidemiology of ms what are some of the kinds of folks who seem to tend to get it what's going on here daddy so as is the trend with a lot of autoimmune diseases ms is more common in women than men Do you think that supports the broader philosophies that children are parasites? It's because like there was a kid in there at some point or like age or something. That pregnancy actually staves off MS. Fucking blowing my mind. (laughs) Pregnancy on average makes it so like in the next five years you're like less likely to get ms i'm so unhappy about how offensive the way i put what i say to us <laughs> because that's really interesting yeah so that's fun yeah we, we have to keep what you said so that we can get to what i said i'm gonna say a different thing now so stacy can edit it um okay here here what's it uh do you think uh women have or do you think more women get ms than men or there's a higher prevalency rate in uh in, in women than men because uh, babies are parasites. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's keep both versions. I like both. Okay, okay well, anyway. So, um, how about around the world? This feels like another one of those diseases that, like, this is, like, only in Japan and America, right? <laughs> so, interestingly, there are differences based off of where you are in the world. Specifically, there's more MS the further you are from the equator. Oh, interesting. Okay, so just like Finland and Sweden, fucking Terra Tierra del Fuego, right? Yeah, those MS. Canadians, eh? Yeah, they're fucking ah. they're getting MS and shit. And what is also interesting is that if you are, let's say, born somewhere near the equator and then move in your adolescence or earlier to a place far from the equator, you have the same MS prevalency risk as the people you're now living around, your new home. The environment somehow shapes MS. Right, yes. And adolescence seems to be an important time period for that. So like if you're an adult and you move, it doesn't seem to impact you. So parents don't uproot your kids. You know, or if you're hanging out by the equator, then like stick around until they're like, you know, 20 or something like that. Pura Vida, dude. Yeah. And potentially one of those reasons might be because of vitamin D. 
that basically like the amount of sunshine that you're getting and your vitamin D production, vitamin D is an important immune regulator. Mm-hmm. It can kind of help reduce inflammatory responses in your immune system. So can I just take some tang or something? Like, could I just eat up I some mean, vitamin D? A, a lot of people, vitamin D supplementation is good for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that might help some. Okay. And okay. in fact, if I remember correctly, for a lot of treatment courses for MS now, they include vitamin D in those treatments when people have MS. Well, this is, a, I think, a good time to plug our new Petri dish vitamin supplement. <laughs> uh, no MS. And, <laughs> and it's, it's kind of a little vitamin D, a little cranberry, a little fish oil. You know, a lot of stuff that, you know, people need to not have MS. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, cigarette smoking increases your risk of MS. Ah, yes. But interestingly, sense. oral tobacco doesn't. Okay, so... I mean, I've always known oral tobacco was better for you than cigarette <laughs> you, tobacco. You've been using yeah. chew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my jaw hurts. <laughs> but You know, you don't actually like... chew, Nathan. <laughs> it's true, dude. Don't you know how chew works? At the works Korean restaurant today, I, I actually got a little embarrassed at the beginning because I felt like I really was just like inhaling. Yeah. Like kimchi and chaturbegi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other things that can be factor. Adolescent obesity, <laughs> night shift work, exposure to organic solvents, all increase risk. But alcohol consumption and coffee consumption both seem to lower risk of MS. Okay, so oral tobacco, coffee, and alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, that's part of our Petri dish health package. No MS. Uh, <laughs> Vitamin D supplements. <laughs> Some Canadian whiskey. No, not Canadian. Yeah, not Canadian. Guatemalan yes. rum. Equatorial alcohol. Nice, nice. Um, so... There are also genetic effects. Okay, okay so this is interesting. They've done identical twin studies where if one twin has MS, the other one is more likely to have MS right. than you'd expect from just the prevalence of the general population. Right. And that likelihood of developing it can also run in families. Right. It's interesting because it's kind of like, you know, I have a lot of empathy for this because when we were kids, we always assumed that I was just the mentally ill one. And over time, it's become apparent that you're also a little bit <laughs> yeah, become more and more clear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a genetic predisposition. <laughs> I've just been a lot quieter about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the major genes here that are kind of variants of it make you more likely to develop MS are part of the immune system. Mm. Okay, So specifically, there are these group of genes called the major histocompatibility complexes okay. or MHCs. This is like when historical figures fall in love, like Mark Anthony and Cleopatra. Oh, because major? Cleopatra. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's the male Cleopatra. (laughs) So major histocompatibility complexes are one of the reasons why you need to have a match for organ donors and stuff like that. Okay, right. They're things that can lead to rejection and stuff. Okay? Yeah. And so you can kind of guess, okay, maybe autoimmune diseases are accidents where your body is sort of like not recognizing parts of your own body. Okay. And so it seems like there are versions, alleles, or like, you know, slight mutations in those genes that can make people more likely to develop autoimmune disorders. So maybe your own immune system is wearing at your your fucking neurons. Right, right. I mean, that's definitely what's going on. It's just a question of why. And it does seem like maybe these mutations could play a role because there's also some versions of MHCs, some mutations that make you less likely to get MS. Hmm. So there are like average ones and then ones that make it worse and ones that seem to make it better. This is always what was so cool about X-Men, right? Is how like because of genetics, you know, some people can disappear and some people can... Yeah, you know, and then to... that one chick can shoot fireworks out of her hands. Yeah, right? And it's like... It's like some of them are good and some of them are lame. I just, I always tell, you know, educators when I'm consulting, I'm like, if you made school fun, 
like X-Men, I would have understood genetics. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm like, listen, <laughs> you got to make school fun, man. Like, X-Men. Frame everything around some kind of Marvel franchise. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. won't have a problem. Yeah, yet. everyone listens to it. <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah. let's get back to the, not culprit, but like at the heart of the MS mystery is Mylian, right? Yeah, Mylan. Mylan. God yeah. damn it. You're actually saying it harder than you need to. Mylan. It's actually an easier word than what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Let's, Millennium. Let's let's take a break and then when we come back, let's go ahead and hop into Mylan, right? And then we can talk a little bit about what's actually fucking up that Mylan. Cool. All right. <laughs> Do you like to listen to the sounds of intramural tennis? Deuce. Download balls in your court today. And that's match. Okay. So, tell me about... Myelin. Tell <laughs> nice. me about myelin. You did it. Okay, well, just just a quick recap. What is myelin made out of again? It's a sheath. It's kind of like a sheath around your neurons, right? Or like the little right. tendrils of the neurons. Right, exactly. So neurons, maybe from high school biology, people have seen pictures of a neuron. Nope. It's got like the little body, like a little, you know, kind of circular or like star-shaped body. And then it's got this like long tail that goes out and basically goes to another neuron. Yeah. And the signal from... The first neuron goes down that long tail called the axon. Yeah. It's like, you know, like, and then like goes down to the other neuron, right? Right. And along that whole neuron, that's kind of like electrical wire. Yeah. And it works better if it's sort of insulated. Mm. And so that insulation, kind of like the rubber on wire, that insulation is myelin. And myelin is sort of a mix of some kind of like fatty sort of stuff. It's kind of like cell membrane wrapping. You know, they were going to add photos back in the biology textbooks, but then a Republican state assemblyman noticed that there was a penis in it. Oh, yeah. Right? And so he started to filibuster it. Greg Abbott then, even though the bill passed, vetoed it. Um, <laughs> and so there's no photos in biology textbooks for Texas, which are all textbooks in America now. Is that why we had to cover up the penis in our logo with the eye and, like, scoot the eye over to cover up that dong? Yeah, yeah. It was another great example of cancel culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've uh, been canceled. Yeah, yeah. The, the true cancel culture, which is Christianity. <laughs> So, so myelin basically wraps around the axons and it helps it so that the signal stays strong through the axon length because okay. axons can get kind of long and you can lose the signal. It can weaken over time. Right. So the myelin sheath helps keep that strong. And myelin is typically made by another cell type that usually lives like around okay. neurons. Called... So this is a cool dinosaur. Yeah. Are you going to be able to, you want me to say it or you want to say it? Uh, oh. Oligodendrocytes. <laughs> so close. You started out really strong. Oligodendrocytes. Okay, oligodendrocytes. They're next to the neurons. They're neighbors. But the neuron is kind of like the lawyer couple. And these guys are like plumbers, right? They're here. They're, they're working class. And they're, yeah, the yeah. Ones, they're the ones who wrap up 
the axon. This is like an older city, like Columbus or St. Louis, where that still happens because this is not this <laughs> yeah. is not an LA LA style thing. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're in a better kind of more middle class <laughs> part of the world. Yes, where you can have different sorts of people living there. Yeah, yeah. So the neurons are next to the oglidodinosaurus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> and so they are supposed to repair the Mycenaean. <laughs> The myelin. Myelin. No! (laughs) Yeah, so the oligodendrocytes, they make the myelin. And so when MS happens and you have myelin destroyed, oligodendrocytes do seem to have some ability to replace some of that destroyed myelin. Okay. Right? Eventually in MS, it's not just the myelin that gets destroyed, though. Down the line, oligodendrocytes are getting killed. Neurons are getting killed. Right? But overall, in this sort of bloodbath. Yeah, who's Ted Bundy? Who is doing the killing? Who's killing? And so that's when we get... Back to our friends, the immune system. Right. Right. Pew, pew, pew. And so your own immune system is the culprit here when it comes to all of this killing. Right. One way or another, your immune system is bypassing the blood-brain barrier, which we had episodes about. Right. right? Because your myelin is on neurons, and the neurons specifically here are your central nervous system, your brain, your spine. So your immune system has to get to your brain and spine to do this. Sure. So it must cross the blood-brain barrier somehow, which normally they cannot do. Okay. So, put a pin in that. Keep that in mind. It means that for MS to happen, there must be blood-brain barrier dysfunction somehow. Mm. Okay? But let's say they figured it out. They got past the blood-brain barrier. A lot of this killing activity, or at least the myelin destruction activity, is driven by T-cells. T-cells are part of your adaptive immune system. Right. So, they they must have learned at some point to kill myelin. Yes. For some reason, there are T-cells that very specifically hate on myelin right so this is like a good cop who slowly curdles uh, around a racist institution yeah i guess so right right right. yeah like they start good (laughs) yeah i guess so but see like the thing about t-cells is from their birth t-cells have like a specific target Mm -hmm. and for some t-cells they never encounter that target through their entire lives okay and they just die without doing anything but if a T cell ever the finds shit you've ever told me, dude, that's like coal miners in Appalachia. That's Sometimes they never up. find their calling. Oh my god! And dude. they just die as buds without ever having bloomed. It's like a fucking French novel. <laughs> what the hell? Flowers of Evil over here, dude. Fucking Sean Baudelaire, like the tits. But if a T cell does encounter that one thing that it's specific for, then that T cell can go completely nuts, divide a bunch, make a bunch yeah. of clones of itself blow up shit, you know, do all kinds of fun things. Usually, the one thing they're specific for is a piece of a protein on, let's say, the coronavirus, right? And then that T-cell gets to go nuts and then destroy any kind of cell that's infected with the coronavirus, and that's great, right? Hey, can I interrupt you with something real quick? Yeah. So me and Stace were playing this video game called Vermintide, and there's a player whose name was Poetry Major, uh, which I thought was pretty lame. And uh, I told him, I was like... um, what kind of poetry do you like? Uh, I can't remember what I said. I said something really offensive at that point where I was like, I like, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I like Hanson's or something. <laughs> and, and he's like, he's like, I'm a French poetry major uh, typing, you know. And I was like, uh, yeah, you like uh, you like Flowers of Evil, dude? You like those <laughs> flowers, man? You like you like that stuff? And he's like, how do you know Baudelaire? <laughs> and I was like, uh, it's a really good original anime. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, what the fuck did you say to me and i was like yeah man it's a really good original uh, anime made in like 2011 dude it's a pretty good japanese poem 
You interrupted me for this shit. Are you fucking kidding me? Right? You'd like that more. I'll <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll cut it. Oh, I, I think we should leave it in just so people know like, what, the you, kind of you, fucking shit I need to put up. You tell like their whole life. I came out of the womb and I was like, yeah, I was talking to this other fetus in there. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, the point is, some T cells are born with this specificity to a piece of myelin's proteins. Okay. okay. Well, that's really weird. Yeah. I mean, so, how does that even happen? Right. So normally, T-cells get made with all kinds of specificities, but then your body filters out the ones that targets itself, right? Okay. Because Who your does body the doesn't... Want, exactly? Uh, it happens in your thymus when you're a fetus, and mm. then in other spots in your body when you're an adult. But like... Uh, when I ask for a fried chicken places. Other cells will basically show pieces of things from your body. Okay. And if a T-cell reacts to it, your body will kill that T-cell. Because it's like, nope, this was a good thing. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't have reacted to it. Right. The thing is that myelin is not normally something that gets displayed. Normally, it's in your central nervous system. It's kind of separate from the rest of your body. Okay. So, those kinds of T-cells don't normally get weeded out. Hmm. Typically. They still get to survive in little numbers of them. That's beautiful. But okay, so these little T-cells are living in their weird little nudist colonies. Yes, and they're just like not reacting to anything because they haven't seen any piece of myelin yet. Okay. But myelin has a bunch of proteins in it. One of the proteins is called myelin basic protein. Okay. And a specific set of amino acids in that protein seem to be the ones that are most commonly targeted in people with MS. Yeah. And that when you look inside those people, you'll find antibodies that target that little bit. You'll find T cells that have expanded and gone crazy that all target that little guy. And somehow... Somehow, at some point, the blood-brain barrier gets disrupted, and these T-cells finally get their day in the sun. They okay. finally get to see the myelin. They divide a bunch, and then they start destroying the myelin. Okay. Wow. Fuck. And they can activate other immune cells to help in the destruction, including B-cells, which can make antibodies that target the myelin. Man, okay. So once the T-cells meet the myelin, it's kind of GG here. Yes. Well, in terms of destroying that set of myelin in that spot. Okay. So, like, MS is characterized, especially at the start, as, like, little tiny spots of destruction. Hmm. It's not like your whole brain goes haywire. Okay. It's these little tiny areas, which, you know, the original dude that discovered it called plaques. Right. They're, like, little tiny spots of destruction. Wow. And the thing is, like, when that destruction is happening, that's, like, when you're having an attack, right? But in that early phase of MS, the attack ends and you kind of go back to normal, right? Jeez. And that normalcy is probably your brain recovering. Right. It's like, okay, oligodendrocytes, let's make some more myelin, right? right. Let's, try to, let's try to cover up what just got destroyed. And then, okay, let's make some new neuron connections. Let's try to like patch things up a little bit. Right. So you are able to recover at first. Yeah. But the issue is that MS will progress eventually. The damage will be too great. And you can't make up for it anymore. Wow. You start losing brain mass. You start having the neurons die. It's not just myelin anymore. Now the neurons are dead. Jesus, the oligodendrocytes man. are dying, right? So when you get to there, that's when things are progressing. And you don't really come back from that. It's kind of funny. I was about to say, what a disaster, right? Like, what an incredible mistake of nature. Yeah. But then I also thought, you know, by that point in someone's life, they've probably had the opportunity to breed. So at that point, nature's kind of kind of doesn't give a fuck anymore, right? Right, I mean, it's, it is the sort of thing where, like, I don't think it's probably under the same set of, like, natural selective forces right. as some other things are. It's kind of like, yeah, like, nature just doesn't give a shit anymore about that kind of disease. Because, like, 
it's utterly irrelevant on a species level, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that are like that. Yo, that's, just... that's why we're so, you know, we're trying to fix it because we're not nature. Yeah, we're not social Darwinists. Exactly. Yeah, Stacy is. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you and me, we're not. Right. And so she says all sorts of offensive stuff that the audience doesn't hear. <laughs> but she's like, yeah, people are that. <laughs> so, you know, um, no, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Stacy, I'm sorry. Just, so just cut it out. So there's this autoimmune component, right? That's like the T cells and the B cells and fucking right. antibodies and shit. Right. But then there's also just inflammation. So T cells okay. can also set off your innate immune system, which right. is nonspecific. And then we get a cytokine storm inside right. your brain. And that can cause a lot of destruction. Right. But then it also seems like after the ball gets rolling a little bit, there's enough damage going on to your neurons and to the other cells in your brain that even if you completely dampen down the immune system, like even if you go into a person and you just like shut off their immune system, there's enough damage done to like mitochondria and neurons, to ion channels on the neurons that like they're going to degrade and like MS will progress. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there is what's called an immune independent phase of MS where okay. the immune system can still hurt, but getting rid of it doesn't really help anymore. Yeah. And that idea is really important for next time when we talk about treatments, because a lot of treatments for MS are immune focused. Okay. And if you do them early enough in MS, they're really incredible. Like in the past, you know, 20 to 30 years, we've changed MS really drastically if you get it early enough. Right. But if it does move on to a point where too much damage has been done, Current treatments do not do a good job of reversing it or anything like that. Right. What is too far? Basically, the shift from relapsing, remitting MS, the one where the attacks come and go and everything, mm. to the progressive form. Okay. And we don't really have very good treatments for the progressive form of MS. Yeah. All right. So let's take a break. And then when we come back, just a little tiny little bit about what the potential root causes of MS are. Because all of this stuff... Is like we put a pin on the blood-brain barrier thing, but like, how the hell is any of this stuff like actually happening? Right? Okay. We all have immune systems. We all probably have T cells that are reactive to myelin. Right. But Why? most of us will never get MS. Right. So what's going on here? Let's take a break and we'll get into that. The following is an actual advertisement. Have you ever been reading through a sack of comics and thought, maybe I should see what the Sarkham Asylum game is all about? Or been playing Marvel vs. Capcom and felt like you were at a real disadvantage since you didn't know who half the characters were? Well, Play Comics is the show for you. I'm Chris, and each episode we take a look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material. So whether you know the comics and want to know how all these games work, or you know the games and want to find out where all this craziness came from, go check out Play Comics at playcomics.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Why do we all have T cells that react to myelin? Like, that doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, like, why would that even be a thing that's in our body? Because the way that T cells are made is basically a random rearrangement of your DNA. Okay. And that random rearrangement produces a little thing that gets shoved on the T cell surface. Right. Called the T cell receptor. And it recognizes, at random, some set of amino acids. That's interesting. That random set... A lot of them matches nothing in the entire world. Some of them match stuff on bacteria, viruses, all kinds of stuff, hmm. including viruses that haven't fully evolved yet. Like, for example, coronavirus right now, there's all these different variants popping up. Yeah. 
even though it's like a new variant and it's actively evolving, you probably have a T cell that could still recognize it. Wow. Because we've randomized millions and millions of randomizations. Okay. Wow. But at the same time, some of those are probably reactive to your own shit. Okay. Hmm. And so what you do is you show a whole array of different snippets of proteins from your body. Mm-hmm. And then any of those T cells that react to it, you kill them off. That's negative selection is what it's called. Yeah. The thing is, the array of stuff that you show them typically does not include central nervous systems. Yeah, stuff. brain shit. Right. Because like, they're not supposed to be in there anyway. Exactly. Right. So that's why you can have reactive ones to myelin. And because all of us kind of make T cells at random, plenty of us probably have these guys. So that's probably not the limiting factor for MS, right? So what's the root cause that's getting our T-cells into our brain and fucking all the shit up? Right. I mean, so first of all, here's some interesting things. A lot of cases of MS, like the first attack or something like that, is preceded by some kind of injury. Okay. In our first episode, we talked about St. Ludwina. Yeah. Her right, she had to MS, fall down from ice skating. Right. A fall from ice skating and breaking a rib was sort of the inciting incident for all of a sudden having all of these other symptoms crop up over time, yeah. right? That's actually, like, not a weird case for hmm. MS. A lot of people have injuries first and then will develop MS afterward. How do you think... When did... Who figured out that she had MS? Because, like, obviously they didn't have, like, a term MS. They didn't recognize that as a specific disease. Yeah, was- yeah. I think it was in the 70s. Someone in the 70s was reading some old ass shit and was like, hey, this sounds like this chick had MS. Yes. Man, dude, dorks. Yes. No joke. I mean, I, I read, the, it's actually in the first episode show notes. Yeah. I referenced the paper where some people were like, we went through and reread all of the dire entries we could find about people talking about St. Ludwina and we think that she had MS. That's cool. It's, okay. a, it's a legit fucking paper. Okay, well, anyway. But so a lot of people, <laughs> they get into accidents, uh, they have some sort of injury. That triggers the first bout of MS. For some reason. And who right. knows if it's because their injury was bad enough that maybe it set off an inflammatory thing. Maybe there was some kind of disruption to the blood-brain barrier. Like maybe, you know, their head got hit a little bit or something. Hmm. Maybe something like that. But it's really hard to tell. There's no through trend that's like so clear. Okay. We can understand why. But another thing is that a lot of people can get MS after infections, okay. like especially viral infections. And what's the big culprit? You're right. The big one, the one that has the most risk factor associated with it, is Epstein-Barr virus. A lot of risk factors. <laughs> yes. Very uh, risky business. But what's interesting about Epstein-Barr is that, first of all, for it to increase your risk of MS, you need to have contracted it during adolescence or younger. Still true to form. So, good God. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. What a nightmare. You get contracted at a lesson. Epstein-Barr virus also is a risk factor for lupus, which is another autoimmune disorder. So, for some reason, something about Epstein-Barr seems to be able to set off autoimmune issues. You know what's funny about lupus is because of house, I have heard lupus, like the word, more than any other disease probably. And I've never known what it does because it's never lupus. Yeah, see, that's really funny because we did an autoimmune episode and I very specifically talked about lupus. So no, no, technically, no. you learned what lupus no, was. No, no, no. I, I really did, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing a part, you know? I see. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Which one of these is the lie? <laughs> um, so something for a long time, <laughs> there, <laughs> there was this theory called molecular mimicry. 
Okay, and what that theory is, is that some part of Epstein-Barr virus must look similar to something in your body. Right. And so when you make antibodies and all this shit against Epstein-Barr... They accidentally also target whatever looks similar. Exactly, right? But we've had a really hard time finding that thing. There was a paper that came out in 2019, though... And reading through the paper, what it looks like is there's a part of Epstein-Barr virus that looks a lot like an ion channel. And this is an ion channel that's on neurons, oftentimes in between the myelin sheaths. So in between myelin sheaths, there's this little tiny gap where neurons put ion channels. Okay. And it seems like that ion channel and this piece of Epstein-Barr virus, if you have an antibody against the virus, that antibody would probably also stick to that ion channel. How the fuck do you treat a problem like that? I guess that's like our next episode's going to be about that. I mean, like that sounds yeah. like such a sticky situation, man. Right. And as like a little bit of a preview. Yeah. People thought that like, okay, you have some shit that binds stuff like myelin, right? Like you have these T cells that react to myelin. What if you put stuff into your blood that binds those T cells? It looks kind of like myelin, but it also kills those T cells. Yeah. Scientists... Kind of tried this out. It worked really well in mice. And then when they put it into humans for clinical trials, it made the MS worse mm. by like a lot. Yeah. So they had to end the clinical trials because their MS like progressed like way faster than it should have. Jeez. It was rough. Not the best clinical trial result. Wow. So like, does anyone get sued when that happens? Like, I mean. I think you sign a lot of shit when you enter a clinical trial. Right. Yeah. Wow. Bummer though. Yes. So the basically what you described, I think is a good idea. And I don't think that like. I don't people have think that people have abandoned it, mm-hmm. but the most straightforward way that they were trying to tackle that did not have the intended result. Wow. Yes. But in any case, you know, there are other potential, like Epstein-Barr virus is not enough of an explanatory factor. Not everyone who has MS has been exposed to Epstein-Barr virus. Yeah. And most people who have been exposed to Epstein-Barr virus do not develop MS. So like clearly that's not the cause, capital C cause, mm. right? But probably nothing is, because clearly there are environmental factors, genetic factors. Some people say the microbiome is involved. Certainly the microbiome changes if you have MS. Like, statistically, people with MS have a different microbiome than people who don't. Yeah. But, you know, what any of those things will particularly mean, maybe it's just all little tiny things that add up to a probability of getting MS. You know what I mean? Mm. Maybe this really is a complex, multi-factor sort of syndrome. And maybe different people end up with MS for different reasons. Yeah. Shit, man. That's the best I got. Well, I mean, it sounds to me like it's amazing that any treatments even exist, which is why next week we're going to spend the whole episode, God, just like, I guess, admiring, admiring from afar, uh, the kind of incredible treatments that have developed and hopefully ideas for progressive forms of ms yeah exactly so we're going to talk about the current treatments which are mostly for the earlier forms of ms and then we're going to talk about some of the future looking stuff some of the things that are not yet in the clinic or early clinical trials that are trying to treat the other parts of ms and whether or not there's even the possibility for like truly curing ms or if it's going to be kind of the thing that's managed with treatments to like help symptoms and stuff right well, guys, thank you for listening. Yeah. Um, join us for part three next week. Woo-hoo. Thank you to Stacey Song, our sound lord engineer. And Brian Allen for artwork. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you can reach us at Dish Podcast on Twitter, PetriDishPod at gmail.com, patreon.com slash PetriDish. And we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye.